again, thank you for popping back on for another episode of the Community Connections podcast. I'm the host, Cole Warner, and co-hosting with me is Emily Thomas. Yes, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening. Today, we, uh, we're going to feature a second social worker in a row uh, to end off, I guess, uh, finish up the uh, National Social Work Month um, that we have been kind of doing a playing around with with a couple episodes here. We have Crystal Waller on with us today. Crystal, welcome to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi, Cole and Emily. So uh, even though Crystal is a medical social worker, she is actually the Hinkle Hospice House medical social worker, and we'll talk a little bit about that today, but really our focus here today is a different certification process that she has gone through, and we're going to feature this today. So Crystal is a death doula, certified death doula, and she's gone through all the training, and uh, we want to highlight that and and talk about that today, because I'm sure that some of you listening to this have never heard of that before, but it is a really incredible program, and we are super excited to talk with Crystal about that today. Just to give you a little history on Crystal, she has been here uh, for a little over three years. And she has, we were talking before, she's, she pitches in all over the place um, in terms of her social work role, but mainly focuses uh, on the psychosocial care of the patients and families in our Hinkle Hospice House. And she does some really great work for us there. So thanks again, Crystal, for coming on today. You're welcome. If you could, Crystal, just, uh, you know, since we just explained that it's, it's sort of a new thing, can you tell us mm-hmm. and tell our audience what a death doula is? It is a new thing. It was a new thing to me. Um, I was actually on my way um, into my commute to work one day and um, I was listening to public radio because I'm a nerd and they were talking about the new trend with hospice care is providing end of life doula. And they went into the um, description of that, of of what a doula does, what her role is, what her goals are. Um, And it just like fits so hand in hand with everything that we already do. Um, I kind of got excited about it. So I came in and pitched it to the powers that be and they agreed. So off I went to the training. (laughs) Can you give us a little information on like, just a general description of kind of what a doula is. Cause I think we hear a lot about like a birthing doula. Um, but like mm-hmm. you said, it's kind of a newer thing. So yeah. can you just give a brief. Sure. I'm glad you brought that up to start with what most people have heard about is a good place, a birth doula. What do they do? You know, they um, start working with parents long before the birth and help them with their goals and decision making in like what kind of birth do you want to have? Do you want to have it in the hospital? Do you want to do it at home? Um, do you want medication for pain and discomfort or nothing at all? Um, how many people do you want there? 20 or two? Um, so death do look same thing. It's planning for your the end of life, which most people are real uncomfortable about. But if you think of it in terms of talking about the birth doula, um, not very many people would know that they're going to have a baby and say, but we're not going to think about that or talk about it until it happens. And death really falls into that same realm. One of the things that uh, you just said that is very interesting to me, Crystal, the idea that we don't, Planet. We're we're about mm-hmm. to put out an episode on advanced directives. 
We mm-hmm. talk all the time about the tangible things that have to be taken care of. And even on this podcast, we've talked about plans that people make, uh, having healthcare power of attorney, things like that. Mm-hmm. But the emotional and spiritual side of what that actually looks like in the moment has to be very foreign to most people. Absolutely. What would you say about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's why, um, you know, doula and hospice work so well together because with hospice, we treat the whole patient. And, you know, when they're here at our inpatient unit, they're getting top-notch medical care from our medical staff. But then we have a whole nother layer of support there um, that deals with spiritual issues and emotional issues. How's everyone coping? And so um, if a doula was involved, that would be more on the front end and having prepared the family and the patient to, to face end of life in, in the most wonderful way possible. And that sounds weird to use the word wonderful with death, but it truly can be a a beautiful experience. I think that's really interesting. And even in your brief description of what it was, it really, and I, I mean, I've talked to you about this multiple times, but it kind of hit me that it is a form of an advanced directive. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, the papers and the forms can be intimidating. So to have an actual person to facilitate that is, is really mm-hmm. cool. Right. And I mean, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think in, in my past before I did this type of work, you know, I didn't want to talk about pre-planning my funeral. And it's like, you know, it's not going to make it happen faster. I think there's almost that kind of stigma in the back of your head. You're not calling it into fruition. You're just talking about a major, major last moment of life and how you would like that to be. There's choices. And we know working in hospice care, that that is a very, that's a large stressor for a lot of our families, right? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, they have special requests, you know, I don't want so-and-so to pass at home or they must pass at home, right? Because we want them to be surrounded by family or we want Mm -hmm. it to be as peaceful as possible. And, Mm -hmm. you know, at hospice, we, we try to give all that. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have control over when we go and, and what that always looks like, but we do our Mm -hmm. very best. And, Crystal, you're talking about this role, and that's just another layer to giving people that peace, we could mm-hmm. say, um, mm-hmm. for their family member at, at that time. And I think that's something really cool. Mm-hmm. I know from, from being a counselor that all the many little different certifications that you can get require a lot of time and a lot of effort spent. So talk to us about the certification process uh, for this for this certificate. Okay. Yeah. I was actually very not, well, I hate to use the word fortunate. It was not fortunate at all, but I would, it would have been training in Boulder, Colorado under the Conscious Dying Institute. But when we had the pandemic, that could no longer take place. So they went online and virtual. And that allowed me, fortunately, to be able to take the course. And um, it was six months long. A lot of homework, very intensive kind of soul searching self work that I wasn't prepared for. I didn't know we were going to do that. And um, and then we met weekly virtually, which was really interesting because um, there were people not only from across the country in this class, but we had eight different countries represented. So that was cool to 
get into such intimate conversations and, and you know, I don't know, pondering your life and your death with people from, you know, Germany and Australia and Guam. <laughs> so that was cool. And I'm sure, I know kind of you are kind of merging what you do with being a social worker and the doula certification. So can you talk about some ways that maybe it's changed how you do what you do on a day-to-day basis? Um, I think it's made it not as difficult for me to bring up um, mortality with my patients. Um, I don't know when you know that someone has a um, terminal illness and it's just when you've just met them, that's a hard thing to get someone to open up and talk to you about. But it just it gave me the tools that I needed to do that. Yeah. So, Crystal, can you talk a little bit more about the tools that you were just um, introducing there? Um, what Conscious Diet uh, Dying Institute um, implements is something called Best Three Months. And basically, it's about the best three months of life. And it's something that you would go through um, a journey with your doula on. um, It's basically done by a lot of reflective questions that you would answer um, in your own time um, and in private. And then we would meet together, like, say, weekly to discuss your answers. And what that does is just it helps the person realize like what their goals are um, in relation to end of life. Where are we at present? Where do we want to be? And then we implement some action steps to get us there. And we hold each other accountable and we have, you know, deadlines. Um, An example would be if someone has no funeral preparations and they may decide, I would like to pre-plan that to take it off with my family. So an action step would be, okay, by the time we meet next time, you're going to call three funeral homes and get a feel for who you would like to work with. And they agree. And so we just kind of take things in baby steps. I think that's so important because all of those things that come up at end of life can be very daunting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to kind of break that down and just kind of walk with them which it mm-hmm. sounds like is what you're doing is mm-hmm. just walk with them mm-hmm. through that process um, mm-hmm. is, is really cool. And to acknowledge that, you know, they still have goals and they, they, you know, they might have unfinished business or things that if you just talk to them normally, you might not know that they have going on. And so to help, help exactly. them. Through that, yeah. Yeah. What I was talking about was more on the practical side, but you're absolutely right. Unfinished business and, maybe strained relationships, that's an area we hit on. And that's one of those ones that gets a little prickly and, you know, um, really pokes at you a little bit. But, you know, it's important to think about is, is there someone that I need to make peace with for me to be at peace? Um, it's, it's very important. And that's a, lot, a, a huge part that's often overlooked. Now, Crystal, you said in hospice, we treat the whole person and we also treat the whole family, right? Exactly. We, we talked about yeah. that on mm-hmm. last week's episode. Mm-hmm. In terms of, of how this work is beneficial to not only the patient, but it integrates in with what the family's goals and things are at this time. How does this fit in there? Um, there's a difference between social worker and doula in that. 
as a social worker, you are absolutely right. I am just as much here for the family as I am the actual patient. Um, they're of just as much concern to me. As a doula, yes, of course, I'm concerned for family, but my priority is with the patient and, and hearing what the patient's needs are and making sure that happens for them and, you know, hopefully getting family in support of, uh, which often may come up. Maybe someone wants to be cremated and their family member is horrified by that. That's something we need to talk about and work through and come to peace with. What are your recommendations for like when sh- someone should seek out doula services? Um, and then maybe if you have any idea or resources on how to how to start that or where to look. Mm-hmm. You should seek it out today. <laughs> and it's really, that was my experience that I'll explain a little later. But typically, I mean, you want, it's called the, the best three months and you're approaching this um, program as if you've been given three months time to live. And that's the time frame that we would work with. And so, you know, often in, our um, our dealings with hospice um, patients, that's exactly, you know, what we're looking at three or six months. But if anyone can do it, you could do it starting tomorrow. And it's, it, it, I can't even explain uh, how it will change you for better. Yeah. So Crystal, you know, we, we talk about this um, in almost every episode. I, the pandemic changed a lot for family members who had loved ones sick in the hospitals, um, under hospice care, and things like that. For for the patients that have passed alone, I'm sure that for some family, that's really bothersome and things. So where does the doula role fit in terms of coming out of the pandemic and helping people make peace with those family members that maybe they're strained relationships with, uh, have those family members around them at end of life that, that bring them peace and comfort. Right. Um, fortunately, we have um, technology that we're using right now. Um, and so I, I, I had said earlier that when I took the course, it was all virtual and online. Um, I went through the paces personally of the best three months with an assigned doula. And so since they're in Boulder, Colorado, that was all done online. And I don't feel like there was anything lacking from that. I had a full experience from it. And I think the same could be done. And that would, of course, be protecting us, you know, during that time. And then um, it would be a doula's role to be at bedside. And I guess that would determine on where the patient is. If they're in their own home, that's their decision. If they're obviously in an inpatient unit, like we have, sometimes there's some restriction, but we would try to give as much of the face-to-face service as we possibly could. So I think you said in there that part of your training was to kind of go through that yourself. Is that Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that, that was eye-opening and interesting, especially for someone who's already in the hospice world and you think, oh, I'm mm-hmm. comfortable with all this. And <laughs> Yeah, I was not comfortable with it at all. I thought it was. And uh, boy, did I learn differently because, you know, yes, when you're talking about maybe your funeral plans and things of that nature, I've thought about that before. That, that wasn't hard for me. But when you get into questions like, um, you know, what fears do you have about dying and why do you think that is? And when you, I mean, spend three or four days really searching your heart and am I afraid to die? Why? And really getting to the bottom of that 
then you can address it and you can answer those fears and you can you can plan so that it's it's I just feel like no one should die alone no one should die in pain and no one should die afraid it's just not necessary and with some forethought and some planning we can avoid all of that yeah and I can imagine having that conversation with yourself really helps have that conversation with other people because you know mm-hmm. personally what that feels mm-hmm. like to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I do want to ask you just in general, what was your favorite part of this course and this process? Well, that's a good question right now because it jumps right off of doing that best three months. It was the worst part and the best part. I hated it. Sometimes I was just like, I did not want to come home after a day of work or spend a Saturday thinking about my desk. But I'm so glad that I pushed through and persevered because um, it really brought me an incredible amount of peace about it that I didn't have before. But the biggest surprise and and what my favorite thing was about it is it it changed the way I view life. It changed. It it has made me very intentional about how I want to live as much as how I want to die. And I think in thinking about our mortality, um, what is it? Tim McGraw sings that song, uh, Live Like You're Dying. That's a great philosophy (laughs) and it's working for me. And I got that from, from this program, from going through that best three months. You know, Crystal, something you said uh, earlier, I thought is a great way to to wrap up this episode where you talked about um, facing your fears and Mm -hmm. understanding, reflecting on uh, the way you want your end of life to look. And mm-hmm. being proactive about that, right? Mm-hmm. And and that right. being super helpful to people. And um, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today to talk a little bit about, and I think it's so cool how uh, your role as a social worker, medical social worker meshes um, with this sort of new role for mm-hmm. you. And uh, I know that you uh, have such a, a, a positive impact um, on our uh, Hinkle Hospice house patients and their families already. And I know this only en- enhances that. So yeah, thank you for public radio was right. It's a good marriage. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank <laughs> you for local public radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the podcast episode today. Um, and if you like what you heard, please rate review, follow, subscribe to us um, on Apple podcasts, Spotify, um, or on our website, hospiceofdavidson.org. We're super happy again to be featuring some social workers in on this uh, on this platform. They do such a great work for us. And so as we close out National Social Worker Month, we just, again, thank you to everything that, that y'all do for us. And um, we're, we're super uh, grateful for the work that you do with patients and families. Thank you, Paul.